Well, take your Bible, go to Acts 24. and didn't come to church today, we just wanted to give a little flyby for you, all right? So uh, thank you for being online with us and uh, being a part. It's a great weekend in Pensacola, and one of our guys made that uh, video. I asked them to do it for me, and they went out and captured that. I just uh, thought, well, you know, we had a flyby for baptism not long ago. We need a flyby for preaching, and amen. So uh, I asked them to fix that up for us today. Amen for the blues and uh, all that's happened in uh, Pensacola this weekend. I'm glad you're here in this place at Olive today. We're in Acts 24. We've been preaching through the book of Acts, and we come now to chapters 23 through 28, and Paul is incarcerated. He's in prison. He goes to trial. He's in prison. He's going to go to trial again and uh, stands before all of these magistrates different places. And we find him in this 24th chapter. Last Sunday, uh, we found the trial. And Tertullus, the prosecutor, brought the case. And then Paul was given opportunity to defend himself. And he presented the defense. They were doing this before the governor, the governor Felix. And Felix is a spineless wimp. He won't decide. And we find him just, I don't know what to do. And I share with you out of this text, beginning in Acts 24, verse 22, a message that I have spent simply entitled, Felix, Spiritual Procrastination. Acts 24, verse 22. You listen now as we read the word of our great God. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. He's speaking of Paul being in jail. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present. And when I find time, I will summon you. When I find time. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. In verse 25, Felix utters the line, When I find 
He procrastinates. I'll hear you when I find time. Dear friend, the gospel calls for action, response, faith, a reply. I almost entitled this message just one little word, action. Action. Because that's what God demands when we hear the gospel. I was away this week for a few days, and I read again the biography of Winston Churchill. Churchill was said to be a man of action. That's what made me think of using just that word. And in that biography, Churchill talked about people who would not take action. And he said there were three reasons that men and women will not take action. He said, number one, they simply lack a will, no will to do it. Secondly, he said they lack a plan, nothing in place. And thirdly, he said, they want to wait until perfection arrives until they act. Perfection never comes. I shared this with the deacons that pray over me, three or four of them every Sunday pray over the preacher, and uh, they were saying, what's the message today? And I told them, and I gave them these three things. And one of the deacons replied, he said, there's a fourth thing, pastor. I said, yes, what is? He said, sometimes they're just sorry. They're just sorry men, sorry. They, They just won't do nothing. And I thought, well, maybe we'll add that here. Not sure Churchill would have said it that way, but that's what the deacon said. They lack the will, they lack a plan, and they wait for perfection until they act. Well, Felix said, when I find time, when I find time. Friend, do you understand that procrastination always will yield paralysis? When you just wait and wait and put off decision and put off decision, you become paralyzed. And you just do nothing. The gospel calls for action. So this morning, let all of us, the lost person and the saved person, gathered in this room and listening on some device, let us all learn something from the governor named Felix. What do we learn from Felix? Let me show you three things about Felix and and unpack this text. Give an invitation, and I'm going to invite you this morning to rise and not put it off. Don't, if God speaks, want you to come. You already know, some of you, what God's calling you to do. And you need to be about the Father's business, not in spiritual procrastination, but in specific action to the truth of God in your life. First of all, notice me what, what I find, the ears, the ears of Felix. Notice it in the text when we read that in verse 24, in some days after Felix arrived with Drusilla's wife, who's a Jewess, they sent for Paul and heard him. They heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. The ears of Felix, he is listening to Paul Speak about faith in Christ Jesus. The gospel is a person. 
it is Jesus. There is no other way to get to heaven but by Jesus. There is no other good news but Jesus. There is no other name given among men whereby you might be saved other than the name of Jesus. And Felix is sitting, listening to the chained apostle, the preacher, talk about faith in Christ. And then Paul, we know he's a Baptist because his sermon is three points. He outlines it for us. The only thing he could have done better is alliterated it. He didn't alliterate it. He could have all started with the same letter and been easier. But Paul begins to unpack the faith in Christ with three words. Notice these words. This is what Felix and Drusilla heard. He was discussing righteousness. Hmm. Every friend, listen to me. To get to heaven, you have to be righteous. And there's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. So how do we get into heaven if we got to be righteous and none of us are righteous? I've got good news today. Listen to the Word of God. Over in Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, where this apostle would, that's preaching is writing now to the church at Rome. And he says in Romans 5, verse 18, So then, as through one transgression, that's Adam, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made, say that word out loud, righteous, righteous. The only way is through the death, burial, the blood, of the Lord Jesus. That is the gospel. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, you find the Word of God says it this way in First Peter 3 and 18, for Christ also died for the sins once for all, the just, Christ, for the unjust, us so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, friend, Jesus died in your place. And when you come by faith to him and believe, he then attaches his righteousness to your spiritual bank account. And the only way for you to get into heaven is to have enough in your bank account of righteousness to get in and you have none you are bankrupt I am bankrupt with righteousness but Jesus puts the righteousness in our account by his blood by his death by his resurrection and when we stand before God we will stand righteous can you just hear the old prophet booming in front of Felix this guy is a reprobate And Paul is preaching righteousness. He moves to point two. Then it says he spoke about self-control. Self-control. Felix slides down in his chair. He's sitting beside Drusilla. The Bible says that this is his wife. Well, she is. She wasn't always. Jewish history records that Drusilla was married to another. And Felix took her because he could as the governor. He couldn't control himself. 
Now the Apostle Paul dives straight into the sinful life of Felix and Drusilla, knowing that there was no self-control. He'd not been able to say no to his adultery, his fornication, to his breaking of another relationship. The gospel is filled with righteousness, hallelujah, but then he calls us to self-control. You say, Pastor, I can't help it. I know you can't help it. That's why he sent a helper. It's the Holy Ghost of God that is within us that gives us strength to say yes to what we ought to say yes to and no to what we ought to say no to. Self-control. Too many of us don't have self-control. We're out of control. And we need the self-control of the power of the Holy Spirit of God within our life. And can you imagine? Listen to this preacher. He's just, man. He's cutting open the flesh and throwing in salt. And here sits the governor. Man, this is not somebody doesn't matter. This is the man that can have his head cut from his body. Paul would rather obey God as obey man. He preaches righteousness, self-control. And then he goes to point three and judgment. Judgment. <laughs> Felix, he's got to be dying. Here's Paul just thundering the gospel and calling for self-control and not only righteousness before God, but for holy living. And then he says that you will one day stand before God because in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, uh, the writer of that grand old epistle, I've been reading the 13th chapter of Hebrews all week long. It's been my quiet time. I just read the 13th chapter over and over and over this week. I've been in the 13th chapter of Hebrews. I just can't get away from it. And I'm just reading that again and again and again and again. Try it sometime. Just, just dig down. Just in that 13th chapter of Hebrews, the very last chapter of Hebrews. Well, back over in chapter 9 and verse 27, it says, Inasmuch as it is appointed to men once to die. Listen to me, everybody in this place. Wake up! You will die. You have an appointment. You'll keep it. But that's not the end of the line. For it's appointed for men to die once. Some are going to die twice. A spiritual death. And after death comes judgment. Hmm. We will all stand there. We preached about it last Sunday. We will stand at the judgment. You will stand. You will give an account, and so will this preacher. So Paul's thundering righteousness, holy living, and then judgment to come. And Felix says, <laughs> Go away. We move from the ears of Felix to the fears of Felix. Notice it in, in the text. 
It says after he preached judgment to come, Felix became frightened, frightened. The fears of Felix, he was scared to death. I have people tell me from time to time, Pastor, I've been in a service and either here or another place, and they're having the invitation, and they're singing, and it's, uh, should I go? And he said, I'm gripping that uh, pew, and I just can't let go. I've got that pew, and, and I think if they'll just hurry and finish with this verse, I can leave, and God will leave me. Let me tell you, friend, God doesn't live here. When you go get in the car, the Holy Ghost of conviction follows you to the car. You may grip the steering wheel, but he won't leave you alone. God continues to deal with you. Here is Felix, frightened, scared. And here's the question that people are frightened of. What will obedience cost me? If I obey what God's called me to do, What will it cost? Dear friend, you should invert that question and ask, what will it cost if you don't obey? That's the real cost. But people are frightened. <laughs> I know when God was calling me to preach, I was a 17-year-old boy sitting on the back row of a little country church. Wasn't very far, not way back there, but just right up here. But it was the far as I could get to the back. We'd play that game. I've won money in church. We'd all bring dollar bills. Somebody put that dollar bill to me and if you could catch it when they, you put that in your pocket. I've won money on the back row. Just ignoring God. Man, if I'd have had a cell phone, there's no telling what I'd have done in church. Hmm. But when the Spirit of God walked up and down that pew, He said, I'm calling you. To preach the gospel. I said, Lord, how about Terry? He, he'd make a good one right, right down there. Or, or John. Boy, just talk to John. He's Eddie. He, I'm telling you, he, I believe he's gifted. Lord, you call him. Have you ever noticed how when God gets after you, 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 you become the critiquer of everybody else? That's the way I was. I said, Lord, talk to him. Talk to him. But God bring that finger and he'd put it right on me. And I, I was frightened of what obedience would cause me. Friend, I don't know what God's calling you to do today. But do not have spiritual procrastination. Be about what God's called you to do. Now is the time. Today is the day. This is the moment. Don't be frightened of obedience. It's the safest place in the universe to live is in the center of God's will. We see his ears and what he's listening to. We see his fears but then thirdly, the years, the years of Felix. Notice it in the text in verse 27. Uh, after two years it passed, Felix was succeeded by Festus. Two years? Huh. How long will you wait, dear friend? How long will you procrastinate? A week, a month, six months, a year? With Felix for two for five, and you just sit, and you sit, and you sit, and you hear the gospel, and you hear the clarion call of the Holy Ghost of God, and you say, next week, when I find time, I 
I'm here to tell you God's a right now God. It's not when you find time. It's when he points his finger on the minute in your life for the calendar. That now is the time. How long, dear friend, will you halt between two opinions? How long? Yes or no? Hmm. It's what you do. Romans chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul said it. For it's not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the what? The doers of the law be justified. And then in the greatest passage on this principle is over in James. Oh my, James. What a powerful little book. Listen to James chapter 1 verse 22. But prove yourselves doers, doers, doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Isn't that a beauty pageant? For once he's looked at himself and he goes away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Action. This man will be blessed in what he does. You see, friend, it's not enough to hear. You got to do. It's not enough to come and sit. You got to rise and serve. It's not about coming to church. It's about being the church. And this morning, God's put his finger on your soul. And he says, now is the time. For some of you, it's as simple as joining Olive Baptist Church. See, we, you say, well, Pastor, this is a big deal. You don't even need more members. You understand how many people leave our church to move across the nation, literally around the world. We, we have a commissioning service at the Warrington campus. Not commission them to come. We commission them to go. So many military personnel come and join our church, but then they, every so many weeks and months, we commission, we send them out. And they go, you don't come to take their place. You come to take your place. It's easy to live in Atlanta and retire in Pensacola and, and come and say, well, I was active there. I served and did this and taught. But, you know, I'm just going to kind of move into a relaxed moment. God sends you here. He sends you here for a purpose. Action. Some of you have had a job that's moved you here. You just, you got a brand new baby and it's busy and, and you got two and then you got third on the way. And you say, but I just don't have time for church. Friend, you don't have time not to have church. You need the church and the church needs you. And you've been coming and coming. Some of you even been giving, but you say, I've just not signed on the dotted line. Well, you ought to do that today. I had a young, I had a couple come this morning. And they joined the church, several others there. And, and he said, we've come, told him where it's going to move his membership from. I looked at him, and this guy looked real old, and she looked real young. And so I just asked him, I said, is this your wife or daughter? 
He said, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor, this is my wife. I said, you're a lucky man. <laughs> Beautiful couple, wonderful couple. He looked at me and he said, it's time for us to be a part of the family. I said, amen, welcome. For some of you, today's the day. You need to get up out of your seat. In just a moment, John sings, I'm standing. You need to come say, today is my day. Some of you have been saved, but you've never been baptized. You've never walked into the water to be baptized. You say, well, I'll do it later. No, 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 friend. Now is the time. Today is the day. This is the moment. You need to come and say, I'm ready, Pastor. And next week, we, we baptize you the next time we have a service. But you need to make that commitment, that covenant commitment. You say, well, that won't send me to heaven. No, baptism won't send you to heaven. But it's a step of obedience. And you never know when you are baptized, some of your family comes to see you baptized, they may get saved or get right with God. While you're in the water, they may, go in, may be going into faith. It's action time. Well, when I have time. Now's the time. Today's the day. Some of us are angry at a friend. We've never said, I'm sorry, or I ask you to forgive me. And God's putting his finger on that pulse today and saying, now's the time. Today's the day. Say, Pastor, they wouldn't forgive. It's not according to what you think or they might or might not do. It's what God says we are supposed to do. You say, you don't know what they did. No, and I don't care. God's pretty specific in this book about forgiveness. Now, you know that this is never an issue at a pastor's house because everything is so spiritual. <laughs> and everybody just loves one another and gets along. Piece of cake. Tell you, if you think the devil's after you, you ought to come stay at my house about a week. And sometimes you just have to say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Some things you can't even make right. But you can say, I'm sorry. If you have to think about what this is, you had not got... God already dealt with you about this before I even started preaching today. Say, well, I've been thinking about it. You know, I will. No, 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 no. Now is the time. Today is the day. This is God's moment. When I get around to it. No, not when you get around to it. Now. Today is the day. For some of you, today's the day of salvation. You, you see it and you've been thinking and you say, Pastor, I just don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. But you know that God's called you and you're lost. You ought to come. Say, Lord, save me. Say, Pastor, we don't even know what to say. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. We'll show in the word of God. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Bible said you'll be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. It, it's action. 
You don't save yourself. You just receive what God's given you. You embrace his righteousness and count it as yours. Oh, I've thought this week back through getting ready to preach this message of some wonderful times I've had, especially with men, seeing them saved. Roger, you sit there. We've talked so much about that, my good friend, where he said yes to Jesus. I think of John Johnson, my friend. He's played golf all of his retired life and over to Stonebrook Course, he'd ride around, had that big dog in his cart with him all the time. I'll never forget the day he started coming to church, sitting right back here. I went and knocked on that door, and I sat down with John Johnson. and I said, John, the Lord loves you. And he said, Pastor, I'm ready. I've been coming. I'm ready. He knelt down the floor and gave his heart and life to Christ. I'll never forget. He got gloriously saved. I stood up and he said, We're not done. I said, What's going on? He said, I got one more thing we got to do to get right with God. I said, Oh, what is it? And he said, Come with me. We went walking in the kitchen. He opened up the cabinet underneath the sink. There's liquor under there. And he went and got all the booze out and he, he poured all that liquor out. He said, If I'm getting in, I'm getting all the way in. He said, I'm all the way in, preacher. I said, Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, Lord's called me. I'm, he's taking action. Take an action. Mr. Simmons, I'm just a kid preacher. A little old bitty church, New Lebanon Baptist Church, 40 people we'd preach every Sunday. I preached like it's 4,000. Finally, they said, Mr. Simmons is ready. I went by his house. I, I sat on that coffee table and he sat in, and I began to go through the gospel. And when he understood that God had forget, he, he grabbed me with both hands and on my arm right here. I can still feel it. He, he said, Pastor, do, do you mean if I ask him, God will forgive me of that? And he told me, and I said, yes, he will. I said, his blood will cover every vice and every transgression. And he cried out, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Save me. Vacation Bible school, these kids come. Not a drunk among them. Not a fornicator, but sinners, sinners all. They say, Lord Jesus, save me. Had a young girl baptized in early service. Bible school asked, Lord, save her. It's a great day. See, the book says that today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Today is the day. Today is the only day you can get saved. Hebrews says that now is the acceptance. Harden not your heart as they did in the day of provocation. No, don't do it. But open your heart today, today, today. Somebody's here and God's called you to preach. Say, Pastor Arden, you it before I got here. You need to come. Say yes. So I'm not sure. Well, sit and soak when you're sure come. Some people just want to be pampered. Me and my good friend Nolan Ford led me to Christ when I was just a kid, Bible school. 
Then he pastored another church and invited me over and I preached for him. He told a story about Jake. Jake was a drunk. He said, Jake is a member of our church and every few days or every few months or so he'd, he'd drink a little too much and he'd get in a bad way and he'd come by the church house or come by the past, pastorum, which was next door to the church and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Brother Nolan said, I'd take him by the hand. We'd walk over to the little church next door and we'd go into the altar and I'd pray for him. He said, I did that. Months went by and we did it again. He said, it'd been three, four different times. I'd gone over and prayed for him. He'd go out and say, preacher, pray for him. I want to just won't do right. Brother Nolan decided the next time he comes, he's going to pray different. And sure enough, Jake showed up. They went over and he stumbled in, knelt down, and Brother Nolan told me, he said, I raised my hands and my voice, and I said, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for Jake. I've been praying for him. Lord, he's decided he's not going to repent. He's just going to keep on drinking, so I'm asking you, God, to kill him today and take him home to heaven. (laughs) He said, Jake looked over at me. He said, Pastor, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying for God to heal you. I'm praying for God to take you out of your... He said, I didn't mean for you to pray like that. He said, that's the way I'm praying. He said, you know, old Jake kind of straightened up. We didn't have much... He said, he never came back to ask me to pray for him again. (laughs) See, some people just want to be pampered. You don't need to be pampered. You need to repent. Get right with holy God. God's called you today today for salvation to come and be obedient in membership to come for baptism call the preacher forgive a brother I'm sorry some of you come with a burden today deeper than I could ever know you carrying that yourself quit carrying it give it to God give it to God just don't procrastinate deal with it today today. John's going to sing a song. When he sings this song, I want you to get up across that balcony. It's going to take you a moment out of that balcony. Just come over here to this stairway. You can come down. There's a handrail. Be careful. You come right down here. and We'd be glad to deal with you. On this side, you, you just come. You come across this ground floor. Today's the day. Now's the Don't be a Felix. When I find time, I'm going to deal with you. And he heard Paul again and again and again. Year after year after year. And finally, it was too late for Felix. And dear friend, if you put it off, it'll one day be too late for you. Now, now, today is the day. If I ever preach this sermon again, I'm going to entitle it Action. Action. Rather than spiritual procrastination.